The Buccaneers are reportedly interested in tight end Kyle Rudolph, and we go into the trenches on both sides of the ball as we continue our players to watch in training camp series. Let's go. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And we thank you for making us your first listen or view of the day. I am James Yarko, joined by my esteemed co-host, one Mr. David Harrison. You can find all of his written work over at Sports Illustrated's BucksGameDay.com. Check out mine over at SBNationsBucksNation.com. And of course, follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArko underscore Bucks, and at DHarrison82. Yeah, we thank you again for making the Locked On Bucks podcast your first view or listen every day. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And for veteran tight end Kyle Rudolph, his next game may be starting in Dallas because he may become a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, James. That, according to my good friend, who doesn't actually know me from ESPN, Jeremy Fowler, uh, who tweeted, quote, free agent tight end Kyle Rudolph has interest from multiple teams ahead of training camp. The hashtag Bucks have been involved, I'm told, and a reunion with the hashtag Vikings is not off the table. This situation should crystallize sometime before camp opens, end quote. Uh, James, other than your thoughts on the beautiful use of the word crystallize, what do you think of the possibility of Kyle Rudolph, the former Viking and now former Giants tight end, joining tight end number one Cam Brates, future tight end number one Kate Otten, and tight end number two or three Co'Keefe? Uh, I actually would like this move. Uh, it's <clears throat> He's a veteran presence. He's a reliable target. He's not going to cost a lot of money. And look, since 2016... When tight ends are targeted, the highest passer rating has gone to number one, Hunter Henry, number two, Travis Kelsey, number three, Kyle Rudolph. This is a guy for his career is averaging 10 yards per reception. A couple of down years last year with the Giants, that could be because it was the New York Giants and Daniel Jones. A little bit of a down year before that with the Minnesota Vikings, but let's face it, the Vikings weren't very good. Kirk Cousins isn't very good. But other than that, he's been a reliable guy around, you know, 50 plus targets per season, 10 yards per reception, you know, in the five to eight touchdowns per season range. This is a guy that I think would help the tight end group. Is he going to be the tight end one? No. Is he going to be the tight end two? Probably not. But he is a guy that you can put out on the field on third down. You can put out on the field in goal to go situations as the Saints well know, he can come down with the football in the end zone. He's going to catch pretty much anything that you put in his range. He's coming off of uh, a season just a few years ago where he had an 85.7% catch percentage. He's reliable. He's smart. He's savvy. I would like this move. Yeah, so this is this is where my co-host takes his victory lap. Because if you go back to our earlier conversations of potential tight end additions to this room, Kyle Rudolph was one that he himself championed, Mr. Yarcher. So I I give you 
I definitely called you yard show. So but anyway, I give you I give you your flowers for this report. Um, so now I'm just going to need Jeremy Fowler to break the news that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are trading for Dallas Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz for a seventh round pick, uh, conditional seventh round pick, which may be a not pick at all. Um, you know, that'd be great. So that's not going to happen. Um, I, I would prefer that move to Kyle Rudolph because I think Dalton Schultz is a better tight end, but the Cincinnati, Ohio product, Kyle Rudolph would help this tight end group. No, no, absolutely. But look, here's, here's my favorite part about what you just said uh, about the prospect of Kyle Rudolph joining the depth chart. And that is that he's not tight end number one. If it's not going to be K Dotton, it needs to be Cam break. And, and more than just because, uh, since, since our last episode, James, and I wish I could do like the whole like flashback thing right now where I called Cam Bray the most friend zone tight end, uh, in the national football league. I've done a little bit more thinking. I've done a little bit more writing. I've done a little bit more research. You understand that Cam Brates in the 2016 NFL season had, well, I think it was over 600 yards receiving mm-hmm. and six touchdowns and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers reward him by drafting OJ Howard in the first round of the ne- very next NFL draft and tendering a one-year contract. To Mr. Cambrick. That's how they rewarded him for that amazing, that that very solid tight end season. The very next season, Cambrick, that was the, by the way, 2016, the only season Cambrick ever started double digit games for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his career. The very next season, OJ Howard's on the team. Cambrick starts five games. So once again, he's back down to below uh, double digit starting games, has more yards than OJ Howard, and again has six touchdowns. Um, that time the Buccaneers reward him with a six year contract. It's amazing. It's great. Which is why again, Cambrai is such a fan favorite for the squad. But look, Kate Otten comes in, Rob Gronkowski retires. And all of a sudden now everybody's expecting Otten to eventually become tied to number one in Tampa. And I get it. The guy's young. He's athletic. He's got a lot of talent. All, I'm all about it, but there's a sentimental value here. Cambrai needs to be tied in number one again, at least for a, well, at least for a little bit. Let's just, let's just give him a little bit. So Kyle Rudolph comes in. He's got to be tied in number two. And basically, the assumption is that while Kate Otten gets uh, fully recovered and then gets in NFL shape, gets up to speed with the scheme and with his quarterback and everything else, that Kyle Rudolph comes in and is a solid number two. And then while Kate Otten is climbing the depth chart, he's first got to climb over Kyle Rudolph to be tight end two before he can then climb over uh, Cam Brate to become tight end number one. And honestly, I don't hate it if it takes Kate Otten until this time next year to be tight end number one if we get good cam break and we get cam break for 17 games into the playoffs and a solid season i mean look i could look at cam break today and say six seven hundred yards six touchdowns yes i could absolutely see cam break turning in that type of a campaign for the buccaneers k dotten or no k dotten but putting kyle rudolph on the field with him only forces defense to pay attention to another player because even though kyle has been uh, a little down here the last three years or so and the age and the wear and tear certainly starting to show he is still a guy that you have to uh, to respect. You can't just leave him open on the three-point line and expect nothing to happen if he's on the team. Are you saying that you want to make Tampa braid again? I do. I want to make Tampa braid again. Absolutely. I also want to make my bank account braid again. And I would like to make <laughs> our listeners' bank accounts braid again. And we're going to uh, talk about that here in a second. Then we're going to talk about some players that we want to see in the trenches during training camp and the preseason. We're going to do so thanks to our friends who can help your pockets become braid again, betonline.net, because they are your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all your latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's Major League Baseball activities. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net remains the best spot 
for all your podcasts and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. Second tier of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Thank you for making the Locked On Bucks podcast. First listen or your first view every single day. Back to our training camp series. We're going to finish up the offense, three offensive linemen to look for, and then we're going to flip over in the final segment of today's episode, and we're going to talk about three defensive linemen we're trying to watch and why we're looking forward to watching and why. And James, I will kick things off on the offensive line with a player that I already know you're surprised is on my list and other people are probably going to be surprised is on my list as well. And that is right tackle Tristan Wirfs. Why is Tristan Wirfs on my list? Well, because when he got injured in mid-January, I think pretty much everybody agrees that among other things, there are some other contributing factors, right? Chris Godwin's injury, Antonio Brown's jumping jack antics, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. not tying himself to Cooper Cup on the final play of the game and some other things. It basically spelled doom for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like the, the Los Angeles Rams, listen, all the credit in the world. Put your Lombardi in your team headquarters with all the pride in the world. Matt Stafford, keep doing the cell phone commercials where you kind of take vague shots to the Detroit Lions, but not really all those things. Uh, happy for you. But let's 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 be real here. Given the way that that game ended, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and, and again, this th- these are alternate dimension conversations, but if all these things don't happen, it's, it's fair to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers probably pull out that win uh, go on to defeat the San Francisco 49ers, go on to beat the Cincinnati Bengals and, and hoist back-to-back uh, Lombardis, and now Tom Brady comes back. We don't have the retirement drama that we had. Rob Gronkowski, honestly, probably comes back to help Tom win back-to-back-to-back titles and just add one more legendary notch into the legendary belt that he's already going to wear. So why is Tristan Wirfs on that list? Because that has nothing to do with this season. That's last season. Well, because if the Buccaneers are going to be as successful as everybody thinks they could be this year, Tristan Wirfs is obviously going to be a very big part of that. I want to see just how well he's doing with that injury recovery. I want to see what he looks like as much as we can. I don't know if the Buccaneers are really going to roll him out there uh, all that much, but I want to see as much as we can out of him to make sure that our our prized all-pro caliber right tackle that's actually getting some all-pro recognition, unlike some uh, some previous all-pro caliber linemen that the Buccaneers have had, uh, is, is in tip-top shape. While I understand that train of thought and that's kind of even though i said you know i'm surprised that he's on your list that's kind of the direction i figured you were going because it is important for tristan Wirfs to come back from the injury be back to 100 be that all pro caliber tackle when i take a look at the offensive line situation for the buccaneers and i'm power ranking in order the guys that i want to watch or the guys that i feel that it's important to watch all the way down to the least important Tristan Wirfs is at the very bottom of that list for me. I I feel if Tristan Wirfs is on the field, he's going to do Tristan Wirfs things and he's fine. I I know he's even a 75% Tristan Wirfs is probably still going to be the best offensive lineman that the Buccaneers have. I personally am far more interested in watching some of these offensive linemen that are competing to replace guys like Ali Marpet, guys like Alex Kappa, to fortify that that line in front of Tom Brady. So the number one guy on on my list, number two on this one, is going to be the player that they traded for. It's going to be Shaq Mason. How does he fit into what the Buccaneers do offensively? We know he's protected Tom Brady in the past, but that was a different system. 
I, I get that this is kind of a hybrid offense between what the Patriots did and what Tom Brady has done his entire career and what Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich have put together. But how does he fit in with this offense? How does he gel with his new line mates? How is how is he working with Kappa and or not Kappa with Ryan Jensen and with Tristan Wirfs on on either side of him? How does that all fit together? So he's a guy that I'm really keen on watching. And you know, it's I, I feel that the interior of the line at this stage is more important to pay attention to than the edges. No, I agree. I agree with that sentiment as well. Uh, anyway, Shaq Mason, obviously a great player to look for. I'm also going to be looking for Luke Gedeke from Central Michigan, the former tackle turned guard. And listen, um, I think right now most people kind of have Aaron Stinney penciled in as that other starting guard opposite Shaq Mason. But but the rookie, you know, there are some who are predicting that that the rookie could could make a push for that position and certainly challenge him. And look, PFF, I know a lot of people have some varying thoughts on PFF, but if you look at uh, the two players side by side, PFF in 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 Gedeke's college career gave him an 81.4 overall grade, 81 run blocking grade, and a 74.3 pass blocking grade. Whereas Stenny Stenny gets a 57.7, uh, 60, and 23.6, which is not very good. Um, so again, I would argue that Aaron Stenny's blocking is probably better than than the red zone, uh, and and the Bucks have a Super Bowl trophy to prove it, but. The bottom line is Gedeke comes in with a very polished blocking history. He's got a very successful career behind him, granted not for one of the bigger programs uh, in college football, which is why his, his stock kind of took a dip a little bit. But when you look at the mechanics and you look at the ability, you know, more strength than you need agility moving from tackle to guard, but he's longer. He's already a little bit bigger size-wise. Now, how much of that is muscle, how much of that is girth is, is going to be a little bit of a question. But I don't think this is – as decided a, a camp battle that, uh, that as, as some people would, would have us believe. Yeah. And Gedeke is definitely one of the guys that was on my list. Again, going back to the interior of the line, the competition there, how they, how they fit in. Cause you're, re- you're replacing two key members of the offensive line. So the competition between Aaron Stinney and, and Gedeke is going to be vital. Whoever wins that job, has to legitimately earn it. Like you mentioned, Stinney is a Super Bowl starting guard. And, you know, all due respect to him, we, we've we kind of assumed that he's going to be the starter. Gedeke is a behemoth of a human being. He's going to be out there mauling guys. I, I'm pretty sure he said something to the effect after he was drafted that he likes to just rip guys' heads off. So... You know, that's something that is going to be key in that competition. And it's it's all about the balance. How many times, David, have you and I talked about offensive lines and we've talked about how it's not the individuals. It's like an orchestra and it's how all the different pieces play together. All of these offensive linemen are like different groups of instruments in an orchestra and they all have their jobs. But it's about the flow of all five of them together so which five are going to emerge as the ones that work best together that trust one another because you're asking for 60 percent of a returning line to trust 40 percent of newcomers it's going to be tough it's going to be a a, an uphill climb it's going to be a battle and one other guy real quick that i would like to mention uh is robert hainsey look we know ryan jensen played most of last year injured so Robert Hainsey's continued development, not only at center, but being one of those versatile guys that can move to guard if they need him to, it's going to be important to keep an eye on him because 
given that Jensen is coming off not just one, but a couple of pretty significant injuries, he may end up being called upon if Jensen goes down. I realize Brady basically told Jensen, suck it up, you're playing, I need you in front of me. You're going uh, to you're gonna have to find a way for if you're Tom Brady to trust Robert Hainsey in case he is thrust into that starting job. And, and we need to see the development from him to show that he is a starting caliber center because they don't have an Ali Marpet anymore that they can slide over if they need to. It's Jensen, it's Hainsey, and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one more thing uh, on Gedeke as well. I mean, the, the Buccaneers love using, you know, uh, a six lineman as a, as an, as a uh, eligible receiver as kind of, you know, put him in that tight end position. They're there just to block. I mean, get He's got tackle experience from college. He's got guard experience. Now he's being trained as a guard for the bucks. I mean, don't be surprised if you see him, uh, even if he doesn't get the starting position with Aaron Stinney, maybe he comes in and plays that, that uh, eligible receiver role. Uh, there is a blocker blocker. I know Josh Wells has, has done that. And honestly, even if Luke gets the starting job, I don't know, James, I mean, this team is creative enough. I could see, them have a package where Luke kicks outside uh, in, in a tight end slot and then Aaron Stinney comes inside. I just don't think Aaron Stinney really is equipped to do that that uh, eligible receiver shtick. But uh, that that might be a little little far because, again, you do need that continuity and that five guys working as one. So that might be a little on, on the fringe there. But, I mean, look, again, if, if, if Gedeke doesn't get the starting job, I still think you're going to see plenty of him in the 2022 season. Absolutely. And coming up in just a moment, we are going to switch sides of the ball. We're staying in the trenches. And we're going to start talking about the defensive linemen that we're looking forward to watching and training camp. But first, if you're living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet, it can be really stressful when unexpected expenses come up. Now, Dave can help you get out of a pinch when you really need it. Hindsight is always 2020, and you can't change the past. But what if you could get a little help from your future self? Maybe you'd ask to borrow a little cash. Now you can with Dave. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, catch up on bills, whatever the case may be. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest, no credit check needed, and millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from future you. Download the Dave app in the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve, member FDIC. Future you will thank you. Wrapping things up here on a Monday edition of Lock on Bucks podcast. And we're flipping over to the defense, David. It's everybody's favorite. Everyone loves the defense because we love the big hits. We love the interceptions. We love the fumbles, but it starts in the trenches. So the defensive linemen that we are keeping an eye on in training camp, I'm going to start it off with the obvious selection. It's Logan Hall. We have heard heaps and heaps of praise about Logan Hall from the offseason workouts, the mini camps, the OTAs, all of it. We've heard Warren Sapp talk about how he has the it factor. We've heard coaches talk about how great he's been. It's time to watch all of that 
come together, lining up there with Vita Vea, getting the pass rush, being able to open up some holes by occupying multiple blockers at once, freeing up Devin White or Levante David or any of the edge rushers to come in and get after the quarterback. I want to see what kind of motor this kid has. I want to see how hard he pushes, how strong he is, whether or not he's the kind of guy that's going to be able to impose his will on an opposing offensive lineman. Because when it comes to this Buccaneers defense, so much of their success is predicated on getting pressure after the quarterback. And Todd Bowles is really good about drawing up different ways to get that pressure but it starts up front. That's why Vita Vea is such a vital piece to this defense. That's why Indomitian Sue was so helpful to this defense. Now it's time for Logan Hall to step up and be that next big piece that the Buccaneers can rely on for the next five, six, seven, eight years to be able to help generate that pressure on opposing quarterbacks, force them into mistakes, force them into being sacked. I, I'm excited to watch this kid because. You know, that's their their top pick. He's not a first-rounder. That's their top pick this year. So he needs to be a guy that pans out, and it's going to start by watching him in training camp. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very excited about what Logan Hall is going to potentially bring to the field. And listen, James, I need three sacks from Logan Hall in his rookie season. How does that sound to you? Three sacks from Logan Hall this rookie season. I'll take it. Do you know who the last rookie was? Defensive lineman, the last rookie defensive lineman for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to have three sacks or more. Gerald McCoy. No. Howard Jones. Holy moly. In 2015. So actually not that long ago, but Howard Jones, 2015, five sacks from the right defensive end position is the last time that a Buccaneers rookie defensive lineman had three or more sacks. Do you know who is the is the record holder for the most sacks on the Buccaneers defensive line in their rookie season. It happened in 1992 and it was 10 sacks. The only one. I have no idea. Santana Dotson. Okay. Shout out to pro football reference for all of that. And Greg Allman for some of the uh, side lessons he's given us on how to navigate pro football reference over the years. So the reason I say that we need three or more sacks from Logan Hall, James Jerko, I almost said yard show again. What is wrong with me today? How is long be, do you know me? <laughs> is because, is because, and Dominican Sue over the last two years, James, has turned in six sacks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from that right defensive right. end position. Akeem Hicks in the last two years has turned in three and a half sacks himself from the defensive line. Now, granted, he was playing a little bit of tackle, a little bit of end for the Chicago Bears. So if Akeem Hicks can come in, and by the way, he is my next player to watch. So he's the second player to watch on our list for the defensive line group is Akeem Hicks. You, we assume that Akeem Hicks probably going to be right end number one, right on the depth chart, if you want to call it that. But he and Logan Hall are going to mix it up a little bit like Joe Tryon, Shoinka, and JPP did last year. You're going to see a combination of both. I think you're going to see more Logan Hall in his rookie season than we saw of JTS in his rookie season. Uh, but you know that'll yep. be to be determined. Plus, you can get some four down lineman sets, maybe get a little bit faster up there if you want to, uh, stuff like that. But if Akeem Hicks can, can bring that consistency, three and a half sacks over the last two years, in each of the last two years, rather, 2020 and 2021. And if Logan Hall can bring three, then at least from a sack perspective, you're getting six and a half sacks. That's an improvement over Indomitian Sue. And I think that's what a lot of Buccaneers fans are going to be wondering this season is you let Indomitian Sue walk away. 
Don't know where he's going to play just yet. Browns are a rumor. Raiders are a rumor. Uh, I would go to the Raiders if I was him, just you know, for what it's worth. Um, you need to come away with more than six sacks, or at least six. If you get six sacks and you have a young future guy, Logan Hall, and he flashes, then I think people will still be happy. But I think if you come away with five, four, three sacks from that right defensive end position and you don't get better up front from a pass rush perspective, I think a lot of people are going to wonder if Ndamukong Sue or letting him walk out the door was a mistake. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fair. And, and we know that the majority of the sacks on this team are going to come from the edge spots. They're going to come from blitzing linebackers, blitzing safeties. You know, that's the way this defense is set up. We know Vea is going to get some. Hicks is probably going to get some. Hall is probably going to get some. But the vast majority are coming from other spots, and it's because of those down linemen that they get the opportunity to do so. So I, I, I love kind of where you're going with that. And I do think it's really important to watch the way Akeem Hicks takes to this role uh, on the other side of, of Vita Vea because, I mean, look, I, I talked about how we're changing 40% of the offensive line. We're changing 67% of the defensive line this year if, if you assume that the majority of snaps are going to go to Hall and Hicks over my third guy to watch, who's kind of been the un, unsung hero of the defensive line for quite a few years. And that, of course, is William Golston. Golston, one of the best run stuffers on this team, doesn't get a lot of sacks, doesn't get a ton of pressure on the quarterback, except for a few years ago when you know the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl and William Golston had the highest quarterback pressure percentage rate on the team, just saying. But he doesn't get the praise. He doesn't get the limelight. He doesn't get the attention that his play typically warrants. So how much of it is going to be Golston? How much of it, of it is going to be Hicks? How much of it is going to be Hall? These three guys are going to kind of be in, in a little bit of an odd rotation, seeing where they fit in, where they line up. We know Vita Vea is going to have to have a play or two off here and there. How is the defensive line going to look without him on the field? Because now you don't have Sue to fall back on in those situations. So this, this entire defensive line is going to be so crucial and so critical to the success of the Buccaneers that the way that they're all going to fit in with all these new, you know, these new players, these new roles that they're going to have to fit into, it's there's no other way to say it. And I, I realize I sound like a broken record, but it's crucial. There's no way the defense succeeds if these linemen don't get it together. Yeah, I like Will Golson being added to this list. A long, undervalued, and underrated member uh, of this Buccaneers defensive line uh, has been consistently producing for the Bucs, James, almost as long as he's had me blocked on Twitter. So that's that's an interesting fact that uh, some of our listeners might be interested to learn. Um, Maybe you so, should pull Ohio State uh, rival. That's all, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah, for the record, it was before any type of media venture I got involved in. It was very early in my Twitter days, and I definitely said some disparaging things about Michigan State. Um, that's why he blocked me. So just a, a couple of clarifying facts. So Howard Jones, not technically, I guess, his rookie season, his first year on an active NFL roster of 2015. I uh, think he was with the Steelers before that, like 2013, 2014. So technically not a rookie. Vita Vea, uh, as a rookie, had three sacks. So, But we're looking for more than three sacks, right, which is why Vita Vea didn't make it. Um, and just so you know, Gerald McCoy, 2010, uh, three sacks as a rookie for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So um, some clarifying data there to wrap up uh, this segment. All right. With that, we are going to get out of here. We will have linebackers and corners 
coming up on tomorrow's episode. But we want to thank you for making the Locked On Bucks podcast your first listen or view of the day. Now make your second listen. The Locked On NFL podcast, our national NFL experts and insiders. Keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason does not mean a break in the action. If you have questions or topics or if you want to contribute to our players to watch in training camp series, you can do so by leaving us a voicemail at 813-444-5841 or send us an email to LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com. To check out everything that David is writing, go to BucksGameDay.com. Check out everything I'm writing at BucksNation.com. And of course, follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at DHarrison. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire the cannons. We thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.